Transmitting over the airwaves from sunny East Hollywood. East Hollywood. Comes the show where we explore our guests' life and culture and how food shaped that experience. From their first slice of pizza to the restaurant they really wish was still open, this is Food POV with your host, Jason Parker. Hello, hello, hello. Jason Parker here with Food POV. Uh, I know it's been a few months and I am back with uh, hopefully the beginning of season two. Um, I'd like to start today's episode mainly because I don't have anyone to interview. And please, if you're listening to this podcast and you'd like to be interviewed, just reach out. The questions are always the same. Um, But today's episode is me talking about pizza and my love of pizza And in April of 2021, I took a class, a Neapolitan pizza making class, um, and it was very enjoyable. I'll get into that in a minute, but I figured I would talk a little bit about my relationship with pizza. Um, I don't remember pizza before a party at Chuck E. Cheese, probably when I was five years old. And I just remember everybody was super excited to get pepperoni pizza. And the pizza came out and obviously it lived up to its uh, reputation. Uh, The place I grew up was uh, Wasilla, Alaska. Um, There was some pretty basic pizza around there. Everything was kind of like thick crust. Uh, You never saw a thin crust pizza. Um, I feel like people up there in Alaska thought they were... They'd be getting gypped if they got a thin crust. Um, it's kind of like the difference, like in France, they're making crepes. But in in the Yukon, they're making these giant flapjacks. So it's kind of the same same thing. Um, and also, of course, if they're uh, using sourdough, which a lot of places didn't, I've heard the colder weather actually gives uh, more of a sour flavor to the sourdough. Um, but the one place that I remember uh, when I was probably eight years old, nine years old, I did one of those reading contests where you, you know, read a certain amount of books and you win a prize. And of course my mom wasn't a cheater. So the books I read were the books I read. Um, but I ended up getting a free personal pizza from a place starving Marvin's in downtown Los Angeles. I mean, (laughs) downtown Wasilla. And the thing was phenomenal. It was the first time that I was like, wow, pizza's awesome. And the next time was around summer of 92. My father was living in Afreda, Washington, near Soap Lake, near Moses Lake. And in Moses Lake, there's a place that's still around today. It was a mini chain. They have a location in Linwood, California, that's only probably 20 miles from where I'm at. Um, But it's called Chico's Pizza. And Chico's was a thin crust. And they had a, the crust was very small and all the ingredients went right to the end, but there was something on the crust that just made it taste amazing. And I, it was just great pizza, Um, great pizza shop. Um, I drove through the Northwest recently and I did not have the time to stop there since I drove through Moses Lake at one and they didn't open until five. So I wasn't gonna wait. Um, In high school, I moved to Valdez, Alaska. Valdez was great because there was a 
place owned by Greek people, but kind of an Italian vibe called Mike's Palace, originally the Pizza Palace. And it was right below um, where I lived. My, f my family owned a building. Uh, at this point, it was just me and my father. Um, but we owned a bar and next door to the bar was Mike's. And I believe Mike's had been there since 72. Uh, Mike's had really solid pizza. Um, it obviously changed through the years. Everything changes through the years. Um, and part of it is maybe I grew up and my palate changed or maybe they just uh, started using cheaper ingredients. I don't know. But there were two other places, No Name Pizza. And No Name Pizza was really good. But the best thing about No Name were all the other things. They had these um, euros, gyros, whatever you want to call them. But instead of tzatziki sauce, um, they just put ranch. And it actually tasted really good. And then there was these things called uh, pita strips. And pita strips were basically, they just threw down like a thin crust pizza. They cooked it. You could get cheese on it or plain with just a little like garlic. Um, or you could get slices of pepperoni. And they gave you marinara, but they sliced it just like they would a pizza. And it was just like a really thin, light um a slice of pizza with, you know, cheese or pepperoni and you dip the marinara. It was kind of just deconstructed, uh, uh, deconstructed pizza. And then there was another thing called sled nets next sticks, which I feel like are very similar. It was basically just, they made a personal pan pizza, same thing, no, no sauce on it. The sauce is on the side to dip it. And they just sliced it sort of like, uh, you would, um, a, uh, like the uh, Pizza Hut breadsticks. So they were that shape, but they were cooked similar to kind of like, it reminds me now of a Detroit style pizza. And there was just this cheese crust all around. Um, and then the uh, the black horse of the, of the pizza places um, was Pioneer Pizza on uh, Pioneer Drive, hence the name. And there was also a Pioneer Pizza in Wasilla. That was a very, and there was like a mini chain in Wasilla. So Pioneer Pizza is a very... Uh, common name. Um, I actually went to an elementary school, Pioneer Peak, uh, named after the mountain Pioneer Peak, um, which is very big. Not as big as Denali or Mount McKinley, as it was called while I was growing up. Um, but uh, Pioneer Pizza, they did their own thing. It was family run. Um, and they just, the pizzas were a little more, um, they were a little more rustic, I guess you could say. Um, they kind of had this like, homemade feel to them, but it had a great flavor, um, really tasty. Um, all three of those places, if you got a pizza from there, you weren't going to be disappointed. Um, and eventually I moved to uh, Los Angeles and the Los Angeles pizza was, you really just only got fast food pizza. You got Pizza Hut, you got Papa John's. Um, most of the places, like when I worked in Hollywood, it was these kind of slice shops. The slices were $5, which at the time I was broke. And the, each, each slice was the size of like two hands, maybe one Andre the Giant hand. And the sauce was too sweet. Um, they were just reheating them. It just wasn't good. And I really, eventually I made it to Phoenix uh, in the early 2000s and was able to go to Pizza Bianco. Um, and I remember getting the pistachio pizza and another pizza and, and I could just be like, oh, this is what pizza should be. And eventually, uh, Nancy Silverton opened Moza. Um, I've had one experience at Moza. Um, I wasn't super impressed. I got a pizza, which this is blasphemy, but I guess I admit this now. Uh, my favorite pizza is pepperoni and pineapple. 
um, especially because I like it the next day when it's cold. Um, there's just something about the the spiciness of the pepperoni and the the kind of the the pineapple still has its life in there. Nothing's changed for the pineapple between when you cooked it and now. It's still juicy, um, sweet. Um, but so yeah, uh, Nancy Silverton. I had this the the uh, this was at their Newport location too, which was kind of like a little ways away from their their LA spot. But the problem was it was sliced and I went to grab the pizza and all the cheese, everything stayed on the plate. So it was just basically the cheese had congealed together even though they cut it and the dough had just kind of came apart. It was really soft. Um, but Nancy Silverton is the best. So I'm sure it has nothing to do with her. Um, and eventually uh, I moved into East Hollywood where there was the place DeSano Pizza Bakery had just opened about six months before. So when DeSano had opened, I read a review in the LA Weekly. Uh, the woman who wrote the review had went to the original location in, I think it's like Tennessee or something, or like Atlanta, outside of uh, Atlanta. And so all she did was rate it up against uh, that place, which of course it's, you know, she'd spent years and years going to this spot, had seen its evolution, um, so she kind of had a skewed perspective. I went there for the first time. And one thing I did learn from her article, which I don't even know why it was like, she gave it negative points, but basically if you don't know, a Neapolitan pizza is only really good for five minutes. As soon as it gets out of the oven, you know, you bring it, um, it only cooked for two minutes. So to have a life, you know, for over five minutes more is, is, is a little too much to ask but you have to eat it right away. So she brought this up that you have to eat it right away, but it's like, she should have already known that. And she did already know that, but it is what it is, I digress. Um, so September of 2014, I move into this place, start going to Sano's. I wind up at DeSano's twice a week for the, the first six months I live there. Every time someone comes to visit me, that's the first place we go. Um, uh, DeSano's was great because you walk in a small front area, they got the cannolis and the gelato for sale, they take your order, you walk to the back, and it's it's epic. There's 20 tables, they're all huge. Um, the kitchen is there, it's an open kitchen concept. There's three giant uh, ovens that they, they brought over, brick ovens they brought over on a boat from Italy. Um, and you're just seeing them, they're, you're watching them every step of the way, they throw, you know, they get the order. They put the dough down, they, they stretch it out, they put the tomato sauce, they put a, a couple toppings, and then it's in the oven. And two to three minutes later, it's out. It's on the big metal plate. They bring it over to your table and it's... I had a lot of great experiences. I've had three birthday parties at Asano's. Um, great place, big, huge TVs, um, good spot to watch. I know I'll be there for the next World Cup, that's for sure. Uh, even though I don't even like uh, <laughs> soccer or football, as you want to call it. So DeSano's. DeSano's kind of set me on the track. Um, and I think some of those pizzas I had there um, from 2014 to 2017 are still probably some of the best I've had in my life. Um, in 2018, I got big into a show called The Pizza Show um, with... Uh, I can't believe I've forgotten his name now. He's he's the man. He owns Best Pizza in Brooklyn. Um, had a big show on Vice and then had the pizza show. And he introduced me to the Roman style and the um, Detroit style. And uh, a Roman style spot opened. We were talking about Nancy Silverton earlier. 
uh, her place triple beam open, um, first with one location in Highland Park and then several more. Um, I'm not a big fan of the Roman style. Uh, the pizza tastes good, but basically, if anyone who doesn't know, they're cooking long sheets, um, looks sort of like a flatbread, and you tell them how much you want by showing your fingers, and they cut off that amount, they weigh it, and then they throw it in the oven for you. So it's, it's very similar to a slice shop. Um, at the same time, it's a place where I consistently bring new people to, including my father, and my father flipped out over it. He thought it was the coolest thing in the world. It's also, everything in Los Angeles is expensive and feel like actually everything everywhere is expensive now. But to me, for like the first time I went, like I got full, but I could have bought two pizzas for the, uh, for the price of the money I spent um, for the, 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 the small amount that I got. Um, but my father loved it. He brought my stepmom, who is notoriously cheap, and she loved it also. Um, but Roman style, I feel like if I'm in Rome, then I would love to try it there. And of course, Detroit style, which I've talked about before, it comes in those, um, the old pans that the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the car workers, uh, <laughs> I'm losing it today, um, nuts, bolts would sit in it. And eventually somebody, I think in the 50s, just cooked a pizza in it. Um, it's one of those things you can never, I have one at home. You can't wash the pans. You just have to scrape it out and put more, uh, oil in it. Um, I've had some some okay Detroit pizza, but the best Detroit style pizza I had was at a place that's now gone uh, called California Sun and Silver Lake. It used to be Black Cat and or no, it wasn't Black Cat. It was Mixed Company. It was a laundromat before that for a long time, but they had a great Detroit style pizza. They had one um, called the, um, it was the uh, what was it? It was something Rick and Morty based. Um, and uh, it was freaking phenomenal. Uh, it was just pepperoni and the sauce. They put the sauce on top. They you've got all that caramelized cheese around the outside. And it was just a great pizza. And it closed the uh, closed a few months before COVID hit. Um, it was owned by the people who own uh, Mohawk Bend and Tony's Darts Away. Anyone, by the way, who has not been to Mohawk Bend, it's a really amazing place, especially if you have... Uh, if you're vegan or you have some vegan friends, they have two kitchens there. So it's super, a crap load of craft beer, but they have a regular kitchen and a vegan kitchen. So nothing ever, you know, interacts. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Because I know that's a big problem. I've worked at places where they, they go, oh yeah, this is vegetarian. And then they cook the veggies on top of where they just cooked roast beef or ham or, you know, whatever, turkey. I digress. Um, but California Sun, my favorite Detroit style pizza. I've never been to Detroit though, um, but if I do make it, I will definitely be eating some pizza. So that kind of brings us currently, um, current. Um, as I said, I took this, wanted to take this Neapolitan pizza class. Actually, no, I'm not current. I should delete that part out, but I don't know how to edit podcasts, so I'm gonna keep going. In 2018 also, um, I started listening, actually probably early 29, I started listening to a podcast called Smart Pizza Marketing with Bruce Irving. Bruce is actually listening to one of his podcasts. He was talking about a smart thing to do if you're interested in something is start a podcast. So that's, he's one of the main reasons I started this podcast. But he had the, the owner of a company called Baking Steel on, and he basically created a steel version of a pizza stone. Um, steel conducts heat better than, um, better than stone. So uh, in 2019, in, uh, in about two years ago, in June, I finally bought a baking steel. And um, 
I started trying to make Neapolitan pizza. And well, the pizzas came out and actually um, I put them in the, on the baking steel, put the baking steel in your oven, turn it on high for 500, wait an hour, then put it on high broil, slide the pizza in there, which by the way, like just using the peel took a while to use. Like there were so many times that I slid it and all the cheese and just oh, all the toppings would just go right onto the baking steel and I'd have to scrape it off real quick. Um, and that of course, problem with that was I didn't put enough flour underneath or I had flour and the dough sat on the peel for too long. Uh, of course you use a wooden peel to put the pizza on, you use a metal peel to, to take it off and to move it around. But so I used the baking steel um, the pizzas came out crispy. I've never had a in the oven cooked pizza that came out crispy, but my major problem was it didn't matter how many pizzas I make. I couldn't get the dough round. Uh, eventually my wife, uh, back in, uh, October of 2020 bought me a, um, an uni, a portable oven uses a wood chips, kind of like a smoker, a home smoker. Started making pizzas. Uh, it actually, the uni gets too, gets too hot on top. I feel like the gas one, you might be able to control that better. But basically, gets too hot on top. Always burns the pizza before the bottom is completely cooked. Um, so I've, the last pizzas I've made, I've just gone back to the baking steel in the oven because it's consistent. Um, but the same thing, even with the uni, I could never get these pizzas round. That's why I really liked using the Detroit pan because it didn't matter if it was round or not. I just poured it in. Actually, and that was a great thing too. I've made a lot of dough that hasn't came out. Um, it just doesn't ever get body. So I have to actually, it just, it's like liquid. So I'll pour it into the Detroit and it cooks out fine. So back in April, I decided to take this class. Um, it's, I took a three day class. They have a one day that's $600. Um, and you just get kind of the basics of everything. Um, they'll probably have you make cheese. They'll have you make dough. They'll have you you'll probably have like 20 doughs to make pizzas and try to put them in the oven. I took the three-day course, which was 1850. They have a five-day course, which is more of, you also learn how to run a business, a pizza shop. They, they, you know, they, they teach you about the buying the stuff and blah, 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 how to do everything. But the three-day is basically just the advanced making pizza. So I show up nine in the morning. Um, as I said, it's over by LAX. And the guy teaching the class is Pepe. Uh, Pepe is the man. Imagine um, 65 year old Jimmy Kahn, the actor from Misery, but Italian instead of Jewish with a, a thick accent where you understand three out of, uh, let's say four out of five words he says. Um, we get there right away, we hit it off. Um, great guy. Um, and he just goes through uh, he just starts teaching me. We pull the dough out. Um, I basically learned a way to do it with my hands to press out the dough to create the circles. And that to me was worth all of the money I spent, which obviously $1,850 is a lot of money. Um, actually, let me tell you about the, the school. The school is VPN of Americas. Um, basically, in June of 1984, a group of Neapolitan people representing some of the oldest and most prestigious pizzerias in Naples founded an organization called the Associazione Verace Pizza Napolitano. Sorry, I've never been good at pronouncing words that aren't in English because I, you hear me talk. I can barely speak English as it is. 
Um, but basically, um, the society was, it had the purpose of preserving and cultivating the culinary art of making the authentic, authentic Neapolitan pizza. You can tell I'm reading something right now because I'm, it doesn't matter. Um, basically, and then in December of 2009, the European community granted the Pizza Napolitana STG or traditional specialty guaranteed. This is sort of like a POG point of origin where it's like, champagne real champagne only comes from france so basically they they did that uh, status to clarify the distinguish and to distinguish the authentic neapolitan pizza from other similar products and to protect the consumer from misrepresentation so vpn um it, there's a, a another i i don't i don't think it's a rival because they're all they're all they're all doing the same thing but it's owned by the Caputo Flower Company. And so if you look at Neapolitan pizza, a lot of times it says Caputo type double zero flower. Um, there's double zero flower, which is the finest of flowers. Type double zero has, I believe it's like up to 40% of a, of, a, of, a, of a thicker flower. So that's what you wanna use when making the Neapolitan pizza. Um, Neapolitan started, um, I mean, the Italians got tomatoes in the 1600s, but they thought because it was red, um, it was poison. And so people would just hang them if they were just decorative. And then sometime in the 18th century, um, that's actually when the real uh, pizza started to go. And what they would do is they would, they'd cook the dough, they'd throw the cheese in there or the tomato, didn't even use the cheese. It was probably too expensive and they would fold it up and it became like a sandwich. And that's how you would walk and eat. And the Neapolitans, they, they hold up. I was folding them into quarters and just eating them as I left. It was really amazing. Um, basically Naples, um, they came up with three pizzas, the marinara, uh, the masa d'uncola, um, which is lard, cheese, and basil. And then there was a classic mozzarella, just tomato and mozzarella and oil. It's always got to be olive oil. And, um, they were having the, uh, this, this restaurant in Naples, they were having the Queen Margarita visit. And so they made the, uh, made the third pizza, which was just the, the, the mo classic mozzarella, and she decided to throw basil on there to make the three colors of the Italian flag. So after they were done, they asked the queen, they said, what pizza do you like the best? And she's like, oh, I like the cheese one with the basil. And they were like, okay, we're gonna name that the margarita. So the margarita was born. So that's what I, I, I made. Um, I made mostly the marinara. The marinara and the margarita are really the only two they use. They don't do the masna Nicola really anymore. Um, and it's funny at a certain point when they ran out of toppings for me to use, they just gave me dried pasta to do the weight of the, uh, of the, of the toppings. But day one, within, within an hour, I'd gotten the, the, the balls into circles. Um, and I started throwing it on the peel. And that was a funny thing too. I only lost, uh, two pizzas the whole time. Only two times the pizza, all the, the toppings flew off into the fire. But you do a cool thing right before you slide the pizza onto the um, the wooden peel. You pick a little bit up with your two fingers, your uh, your middle finger and your pointer, and you do a kind of like a like a slash down towards the the pizza peel, and it just spreads out. And then you just you're uh, you're working a pizza on uh, on marble, and you just slide it right on, and then you slide it right in. Um, so the the wood fire oven is amazing. Um, you want it to be about you have a little uh, thermometer, one of those point thermometers. You point at the, the part in the stone where you want it to be, um, 
where you want to put your pizza. And if it's 750 above, then you're good. Um, you also have these wood chips. You pick up the wood chips with the metal peel and you throw them in on top of the fire to create a, a fire from above. So when you're, the cool thing with these, these wood-fired ovens is you feel the outside of them. They're at 800 degrees inside and the outside it feels like nothing because of the refractory bricks. So when you're cooking a pizza, you're cooking it three ways. Um, you're getting heat from uh, the stone that it's on. You're getting the heat um, from the fire up above when it kind of laps up. And that's the only way you wanna, you don't wanna put your pizza in unless the fire is lapping up on the, the roof. And then from there, you're getting the heat coming in um, with the with basically just air coming in and it sucks the air in. And that heat kind of also cooks the top and the sides. So very cool. Um, they were, I don't want to toot my own horn, but Pepe was very impressed with the way that right from the get-go that I was just able to throw the pizzas in, cook them pretty good. Um, it was funny, I feel like I had my most problems on the third day and that's when he was really like, Jason, when he'd grab my hands and go, what are you doing, you know? It was really fun. He was just a, a great guy uh, and it was just me in the class, which was really cool. I feel like that's another reason I was able to get so much done. Um, the other big thing is you make dough. You first start with a small batch of dough that you make by hand. They have a little wooden box they, they sell and you just put all the, the ingredients together, you make the dough. And then later they actually have you using the big, uh, the big machines, uh, like the mixers and such to really make the, uh, the, the pizza. What were these? These dough mixers were phenomenal because they, they use spiral mixers, fork mixers, double arm mixers. Uh, they don't use the traditional, um, like what you would use at home, like the KitchenAid. So these, the actual, um, the base moves while this uh, this kind of spiral thing moves and kind of moves everything around. It's It was just really amazing. Um, we also made cheese. Uh, I made fresh mozzarella, which I, I then cooked with the rest of the time. And it was, making fresh mozzarella was so easy. Um, it was just great. Um, I really can't say enough good stuff for, for the VPN. Um, the other thing too is, so at the end of it all, I took a test. Uh, first a written test, I think I got 28 out of 30 right. One of them was a trick question, that's why. Um, and then what I had to do was, in front of Pepe and another guy from the VPN, it was really fun too. He spoke even less English, but he was just, he had always a great personality, always smiling, always laughing. I wish I remember his name. I know I have a photo with him. Um, and he, I actually believe, runs their uh, social media. But I made the pizzeria marinara and the pizza margarita, and they judge them. Um, the pizza has to be the perfect size of this plate. Um, but I think I screwed up one, I had to make three pizzas, um, and one of them was kind of a mistake, or actually maybe I might've just made two and I passed on that, um, but I did pass, and now I am a certified Pizzola through VPN. So basically, any any pizzeria around the, the country that wants to be certified to do Neapolitan by VPN, they need to have one Pizzola who's who's working and uh, or at least there to train everybody. So that could be me technically, even though I have no real <laughs> pizza making experience besides that class. But it was a really good time. Check out VPN of America's. Um, if you want to, uh, you know, up your skills, if you want to get certified, if you want to open your own place, um, everything's there. So thank you very much for listening, and I will talk to you soon. Jason Parker out. Thank you for tuning in to Food POV with Jason Parker. 
Until next week, stay hungry. <laughs>